Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So please take a minute and visit mbcocala.com slash stories to tell us your story. And if God has used this ministry to touch your life in any way, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. Help us to continue delivering God's word to the world. You can give online or through our mobile giving app. Would you guys help me welcome our online church family tonight? We're so glad you guys are tuning in. Thank you guys for joining us. You may have a seat. Oh man, it's so good to be with you guys for worshiping. We're going to have a great night tonight. You guys glad to be here? Awesome, awesome. Well, Pastor Tim wanted me very specifically to let you know, uh, I know you guys, as Pastor Tom said, we love him, but he wanted you guys to know that he and Alicia both love you guys so much and have been praying for you and appreciate so much your prayers that you've been praying for them. And so uh, thank you so much. I just love this church family. I love our pastors. I love what God's doing here at Meadowbrook. Are you thankful for this ministry, Meadowbrook Church? God's doing some great stuff. Well, uh, I'm going to share with you guys tonight something that is um, helpful for me, and I, I pray that it will be helpful for you. And tonight, the idea in this passage of Scripture I'm going to talk about is actually in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. You can check out a U version for that. But uh, the passage of Scripture is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. I don't want to talk about it. I, want you, I don't even want to read it yet. But I want you guys to understand that tonight I believe that if you grab a hold of this scripture, if married couples grab a hold of this scripture and apply what this scripture says, I believe that your marriage can continue to be strengthened. And I believe even in the church that the divorce rate in the church would even go down. I believe, uh, yeah, that's right. That's good, right? I, I believe even as a parents and as children, if we would grab a hold of this scripture as parents and as children, the parents would begin to value their, their children even more, and children would be to, be to honor their parents even more. And then I believe as a church, I believe in, in, in the environments of small groups, I believe if you would grab a hold of this scripture when it comes to relationships, whether it's small groups or other kind of interactions within the church, I believe that life change would continue and continue and continue to happen. And then as the church in whole, Meadowbrook and the church in whole, I believe as Christians would grab a hold of this passage of Scripture, people would see God through us. Yes, he would. So that's, that's kind of the idea of what we're going to be talking about is this idea of in Ephesians. And, and I want to share now with you this verse. And it says this. It says, Let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk, what does it say? Ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech that is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others, as is fitting to the need and the occasion, that it may be a blessing, and that it would give grace, God's favor, to those who hear it. That, that's, that's, that's pretty good stuff right there. So we're going to be digging into this a little bit and, and actually applying some of these ideas to us. But I want to start by this first part, portion of Scripture. and It says this, Let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word or unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth. And that looks good on paper, but practicing that, let's just be honest, can sometimes be difficult. Do we have anybody real in here tonight? And so 
don't hear any of this message tonight as any kind of condemnation. Uh, I'm working on this. I hope tonight that we can all really work on this together. And so, but in this beginning part, it says, I like what it says, unwholesome. Unwholesome. And the Greek word here for unwholesome is sapros. And it means rotten. It means useless, unprofitable. It means of poor quality. It means bad, like not in the good kind of bad, but like bad, bad. Unfit for use, and it's worthless. It's worthless. When, when you have an apple, if you go to the grocery store and you buy a nice bag of, uh, of apples, and there's one rotten apple in the middle of that bag. How many of you guys have ever been there before? You're like, man, I'm getting my jazz apples. I'm getting them home. I'm unpacking them. And then you find one rotten apple in the bunch. What will happen with that one rotten apple in that bunch? What is it going to do? It, it contaminates the whole thing. It's rotten. And it's going to spread to the rest of the fruit. What happens if you eat something that's rotten? Or drink milk with chunks in it? That's bad. Bad day. Don't do that. It's going to get you sick. It's not healthy. You shouldn't do that. It's going to get you sick. What? Rotten contaminates. Rotten will make you sick. Rotten has a bad smell to it, doesn't it? Have you ever gone on vacation, maybe for a day or three days or seven days, and you specifically, you know you did this, you asked your spouse, I'm not saying who it was, the husband or the wife, I'm not saying, but you asked the spouse to take out the trash before you left. And Seven days later, you come back home, you open the door, and you're greeted with this obnoxious smell. It just kind of hits you in the face, right? Like a ton of bricks. And what do you do? You don't just walk in and be like, well, I guess that's, I guess that's what we got. Welcome home, you know? No, you, you walk in, you begin to look and find out what it is. You identify it, and then you begin to remove it. You get it out of the house as fast as you can. You open up the windows, and you use a whole can of Febreze on your whole house. And you get it clean, right? That's what you do. That's what you do. But the point is this. To get rid of the unwholesome, to get rid of the rotten speech that, let's just be honest, there's, there's probably some part of every single person in this room that maybe there's some things that we need to look at on how we're speaking. To get rid of those things, you must first identify those things. Find out what they are. And every person is going to have a different level for where you are in your own personal life. And I just have a list of some things. And maybe you relate to some of these things. Maybe you don't. Maybe, maybe there's a whole different list for you. Maybe, maybe you, you connect. Maybe you don't connect. Maybe you want to add too. But let's help tonight maybe identify some of this unwholesome, rotten speech that we don't really want in our lives and we don't really want to share with anybody else. So let's identify a couple of these things, all right? Now, some of these might hurt, all right? But I'm believing God that at the end of this, we'll be able to connect and really lock some things in. So here we go. Let's identify some of these things. Name-calling, put-downs, trading insult for insult, sarcasm, ridicule, mockery, blaming, exaggerated attacks, griping, complaining, profanity, destructive criticism, angry words including threats and revenge, deception, lies, manipulation, gossip, slander, and we could probably keep going on and on and on to find different other parts um, of what's going on there. Why is this a big deal? Why, why is it even a big deal that this passage of Scripture is even in Ephesians? 
Well, I think God knew that God? Maybe. <laughs> That's cool. I should go, I should go answer it. It's awesome. Um, I think God knew that we were going to use this form of communication to communicate with each other, and we, he wanted to kind of prep us for that. Did you guys know that men, where are my men at? Hey. Meadowbrook men in the house. Men, you guys speak an average of 7,000 words a day. 7,000 words a day. It's an average. Some of you guys are way low, and some of you guys are way up there. Ladies, you win. You can give yourselves a round of applause. You win. You speak an average of 20,000 words a day. It's only 13,000 more. It's not a big deal. But you do. We, we give you that win. That, that's for you. And that's not even including social media with text messaging, Instagram, Facebook. If you're still on MySpace, it doesn't even include any of those things. It just includes the verbal communication that we would share with other people. So why is it important? It's because it's a big part of who we are. It's a big part of who we are. And I want to dig into some of these things, and I want to give you four tools, four things that I really believe if you begin to practice this, if you, if you, you, begin, if you begin to put some, some tread to this, some traction to this, that you can build your words and do the second part of Ephesians 4.29 when it says, but only such speech that is good, beneficial to the spiritual progress of others, and is fitting to the need and the occasion that it may be a blessing and give grace, God's favor, to those who hear it. Amen. That's our goal. That's where we're trying to get to. So four tools. You guys ready? Here we go. First one is this, is to think first. Think first. Think first. Have you ever said something, and as you're saying it, like you want to reach out of your body and grab those words and like put them back into your mouth? Have you guys ever been there? I've been there. We've all been there. You know, I, I can relate to that. It's a syndrome, you know. It's, it's F-M-S. It's foot and mouth syndrome. It, it's, it's what it is. It's, it's a real syndrome. And, and we do that. And why does that happen? It's because we did not think before we spoke. So the idea is that we have to think first. In Proverbs chapter 16, 23, it says this. Intelligent people. Don't read into that. Intelligent people think before they speak. In the Amplified Bible, it says, The mind of the wise instructs his mouth. Instructs his mouth. But let me say this as well. Just because you think it doesn't mean you need to speak it. So think first, yes. But just because you think it doesn't mean you need to speak it. doesn't mean you need to speak it. What has Pastor Tim been teaching us about the last six weeks? Filter. And so we need to have a filter with what we're thinking and then what we are speaking. Let me give you a few things that will help you. Some questions to ask in those moments as you're ready to speak. To think before you speak. Here's some questions to ask as you're, what you're saying. It's, here we go. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Does it honor God? Will it add value to that person? So these are, these are those micro millisecond things that need to kind of run through our head a little bit as we're thinking, as we're using a filter. 
Is it necessary? Is it kind? Is it going to build up? Is it honoring God? Are the words that we speak doing those things? Yes, we have the right for free speech. I'm grateful for that right. But we also have the responsibility to use, excuse me, we also have the responsibility to use our words wisely. Yes, we have the right to free speech, but we have the responsibility to use our words wisely. I believe we need to think before we speak, all right? Second tool is this, to press pause and to listen. Press pause and to listen. These four things are really going to help us. Press pause and listen. In James chapter 1, verse 19, it says, be quick, say it with me, to listen. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Be quick to listen. It doesn't say be quick to speak. Be quick to listen. You guys have heard this before. Maybe your grandmother, your great-grandmother, your mom has told you this. What, what did God give us? Two ears? One mouth? We should be doing twice as much listening than speaking. We, we need to sometimes press pause and listen. And, and I believe that we need to do a better job listening to understand instead of to respond. Listen to understand and not to respond. We need to listen to what people are saying. We need to listen to those conversations that we're having. When we listen to understand, it helps us be a little bit more objective to the conversation that we're having. It helps us to put ourselves in that person's shoes a little bit more when we listen to understand. When we listen to understand, it shows value to the speaker. It shows value to the speaker. We're so distracted, aren't we? We have our phones in our hands. We're, we have all these places to go. I love what restaurants are doing now, right? They're putting, they're putting phones in phone jail. Have you guys seen that? I think that's great. Put your phone in phone jail right in the middle of the table. Stack your phones. Don't mess with them. Have face-to-face interaction and be all there. Yeah. Why? So we can listen. There's an art to it. It's actually called active listening. That you're actually engaging with the words that people are saying. Engaging. And listening, asking questions, repeating things that they have just said. What does that do to people? It shows value to them. It lets them know that you care. It lets them know that you're all present. You know, especially in families, uh, media families, but especially even in the church world. We need to do that so we can be an example of Christ living through us. We need to listen. We need to listen. Involve yourself into active listening. Uh, I saw this, I read this story about an elderly man. And for months, his family was telling him to, hey, listen, you need to go get your ears checked. Like, you're not hearing well. Like, you need to go and get your ears checked and find out what's going on. And so he kind of refused it for a while. And then one day, without even telling his family, he went to the doctor. And the doctor fitted him with, with hearing aids that he needed. And the doctor was so excited, he gave him a report. Of, he, he had 100% hearing now. He could hear everything. He was totally there. And so the guy was pretty excited about that. Uh, went home, and a couple months later, he came back. And the doctor's like, yep, you're still doing great, 100% hearing. And the doctor said, hey, what did your family say when you told them that you got your hearing back? And the guy was like, it's like, well, I haven't really told them yet. I've just been sitting listening to what they've been saying, and I've changed my will three times. <laughs> the art of listening. Art of listening. We need to do a better job listening. We need to tune in a little bit more and not worry about what we're going to say and to response, but understand what people are saying. Because if you can get to that point, you can get to that place where you're really listening, I believe God will even show you beyond what they're saying. He will show you their heart. 
And there's sometimes that we need to be sensitive enough to the spirit that we would listen to God as we're having a conversation, not distracted with things around us. We're face-to-face, listening to understand. And we would allow God to speak to us and maybe allow God to show us what maybe we need to say to that person to help them go from where they are to where he wants them to be. So important for us to do that. Press pause and listen. The third tool I'm going to talk with you guys about tonight is to give good gifts. Give good gifts. Give good gifts. You guys remember your favorite childhood toy? Your favorite childhood toy? How many of you guys remember that? Can we go back to our childhood for a second? Our favorite childhood toy. Uh, I remember a couple of mine I thought I'd share them with, with you guys. Uh, one, of my, my, one of my favorites was uh, the Etch-A-Sketch. It, and I actually drew that. I'm just joking. I didn't, I didn't. I don't have those kind of skills. You couldn't really draw or anything. I couldn't. I just draw like, I would just draw a maze, you know, and kind of round around a circle. Uh, Etch-A-Sketch. Uh, another one was mine was a, a viewfinder. This was, this was classic. Like, if you were a kid, you had this. How many of you guys still have one? All right, cool. Sit there, you look in the sun or look in the light, and you'll be able to see all different pictures. And then one of my top favorites was uh, the original Nintendo. It was, just, it was just awesome. I had the power pad. I had the duck hunt. It was just, it was the coolest. I stayed up late, late, late playing Mario Brothers. It, it was fantastic. The game went bad, so you got a blow on the inside. Remember, you put it back in. It was awesome. Maybe that wasn't your favorite game. Maybe you were into Atari. Any Atari fans? If you don't know what Atari is, Google it, and it'll change, your, it'll change your life. But we look at this idea of giving good gifts and the gifts that maybe that we've appreciated over our lifetime. And in Ephesians 4.29, remember our theme first, and the message paraphrase, it says this. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps, and I love this part, each word a gift. Each word a gift. Each word. Every one of us have the opportunity to give gifts to people. In fact, guys, on average, you have the opportunity to give 7,000 gifts to people a day. Ladies, you're generous. You're giving 20,000 words a day. We have the opportunity to give gifts. Now, it doesn't say what kind of gifts you're giving. Some of us, some of those gifts are things that people wouldn't want. It's, it's true. The words that we say, are they gifts that people would want or gifts that people wouldn't want? But every one of us, we have the opportunity to give gifts to people every day with the things that we get to say. Our words are gifts to others, but we choose what kind of gift we give them. We choose what kind of gift. Why do we need to give gifts? Why do we need to give these word gifts to people. You know why? Because on a very minimum, three out of ten people that you come in contact with every day, at a very minimum, are brokenhearted about something in their lives. Three out of ten people, on the very minimum, are brokenhearted about something in their lives. And what if it was that God wanted to use you or God wanted to use me to let our words be a gift that would bring encouragement, or a smile, or freedom into somebody's lives, somebody's life. I, I, I want to be that kind of person. I want my words to be used in that way. We can't afford to use our words as a sledgehammer. We can't, we can't afford to walk around 
slamming things and destroying things and, and causing uh, uh, people's worlds to collapse because the words that we're using on a day-in-day basis. We can't afford to be uh, sledgehammering environments around us at home or at work or even at church. Our words aren't need, are needed for that. Our words are needed to bring a blessing, to bring grace to people, to bring help to people, to bring strength to people, not sledgehammer kind of words. Amen? I'm just going to hang on to this. It's cool. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life. Our words, our, the things that we say have death or they have life. And I want to challenge you as I challenge myself. Make sure you're not the source of someone else's pain. Make sure you are not the source of someone else's pain. That's not what God has us here for. God doesn't have us here so we can use our words to bring pain. God has us here so that our words bring health and healing and hope and restoration and relief and encouragement. Not sledgehammer, but help and encouragement. Amen? All right, it's good stuff. Make sure you're not the source of someone else's pain. And I also want to say this. Sometimes our words, on a purpose maybe, but sometimes maybe even on purpose, can be used to hurt by the words that we say. But I also think this, that sometimes our words can hurt by what we don't say. Does that make sense? I, I think as a parent, as a coach, as a teacher, as a small group leader, grandparent, that sometimes when we don't say the words that we should say, it could bring hurt to a child or somebody else in our lives. And we need to express that love to other people, especially in children, especially in people that are closest to you. That you would use words like, I love you, and I care about you, and that you're special, and God made you the way that you are, and God cares about you, and that you're special to me. And that we would express those feelings to people and not just pass them over. But I believe we should express our appreciation, express our thanks, express our love, and not leave out opportunities for that. And I just, just encourage you, if, 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 wherever you are, but maybe even as a grandparent, that you would have a grandchild that maybe is not in that environment where they're getting that kind of nurture from a parent. That you could be a grandparent that would be that encourager for that grandson or that granddaughter by sending a card, by sending a text, by making a phone call, and let God use you. And parents, man, I think as a parent that we have to step up to that level and we have to fully engage and God has us in that child's life, whether you're a step-parent or, or not, or mom or a dad, wherever you would be in that situation, I believe that God wants us to step up to that plate and be what that child needs, that God would use us to share words from us to them as a reflection of who God is to us. Now, we need to be that kind of person. We need to be that person that would pass that on to people around us, people around us. So what do we do when we are the ones that are hurt from other people's words? How do we process that? 
What does that look like? Every one of us in some part of our lives have been hurt by a word spoken by somebody else. We've all been there. Some of those words are very extreme. Some of those words are maybe small, and over time, over time, over time, and over time, they became very big. So how do we do? How do we process? And I'm going to give you just a few things, and these things are easy for me to read, but the reality is sometimes they're harder to walk out. And I know that, and I'm not making light of that, but I want to give you some sort of process to, to look at and to do when you are experiencing words that are hurtful that you're carrying with you. The first thing is this, and it's to pray for them. Pray for the person that has maybe hurt you with their words. I didn't say you're going to feel like praying for them. I said you're going to need to pray for them. Why? Because something in their lives is hurting them. We know we're taught here that hurt people hurt people. There's something inside of them that they're struggling with, that if they could just get freedom in God and get set free from that, what would their life look like? So first thing that we would need to do is we need to pray for that person that has maybe spoken hurtful words to us. Second thing that we would need to do is to forgive them. To forgive them. Colossians says that we are to forgive as what? Christ forgave us. Forgiveness is not for the other person. Forgiveness is for you. That you can let go of those things. You can let go of the charges against that person and to forgive. I didn't say it was going to be easy, but it's what's needed for you to move on to where God wants you to be. So to pray for them, to forgive them. The, the third point here would be to use a soft answer. Use a soft answer. In Proverbs chapter 15, 1, it says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A soft answer turns away wrath. This is not something that comes easy for any of us. If it comes easy for you, I want to talk to you afterwards and I'll buy you Starbucks. It doesn't, it doesn't come easy for us. This takes discipline. This takes work. What is our first reaction a lot of times when someone brings a hurtful word towards us? We automatically get defensive. We step up. We get defensive to that situation. But what the Bible says here, I didn't write it. It just is what it says. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So we need to bring a soft answer that mean, we, means that we need to if we want to turn away wrath, then we have to bring that soft answer. I'm not saying not to tell the truth, but I believe when we do tell the truth, that we need to tell the truth in love and present that truth in that loving way that God would want, to, want us to do that. Learn to respond instead of react in those kind of situations. The fourth thing is to go where you're, go where you're celebrated. Go where you're celebrated. You may be in a situation right now at home, at work, at, at uh, uh, in your family, um, where, in your school, wherever you maybe would be. You may be in a situation right now where those hurtful words are being spoken. And it's hard for you to remove yourself from that situation. We've probably all been in that place before. What do you do? Well, you go where you're celebrated. Find somewhere where you can be celebrated. That's why we have small groups here at Meadowbrook. That's why we do relationship together, because that's where life change happens. Get into an environment where you can be celebrated. Get into a group with a group of people that you can be encouraged, that you can go to them and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. I'm in this environment, and, they're, and they're, these, these hurtful words are being spoken over me and to me, and I need help from this. And that small group leader or other person in the small group will look at you and say, don't give up. We've all been there. Let's help each other get through this. Let's do this life thing together and go to a place where you can be celebrated and that you can be prayed for and prayed with and to be helped. Don't do life alone. Amen. 
and let go of those hurtful words that are holding you back. Let go of that voice. That voice didn't create you. That voice that spoke that hurtful word over your life, that voice didn't create you. That, that, voice, that, that voice didn't breathe life into you. Only God created you. Only God breathed life into you to cause you to be the man and the woman of God that he wants you to be. Only God, that voice did it. And so don't look at that voice as your source. Look at the source as, as Pastor Alicia was telling us that we are a masterpiece, that we are made in his likeness and his image. That is the source. That is the voice we should be listening to. Let go of the other voice. Let's get to the God voice that he has for us. Amen. That's good stuff. So let go of that voice. Let go of that voice. I'm preaching myself happy. Number, number four, the fourth thing here, and this is kind of where uh, this idea that you maybe see on the screen is to flip it. The fourth idea is to flip it. Flip it. As I was thinking about this and just kind of looking it over, I remembered a story of, of my son, Braden. He, about 10 years ago, uh, he was sitting at the table with me, and he was just coloring, just doing what a little kid would do, right? Just coloring and doing his thing, and all of a sudden, I kind of saw that he was getting frustrated. Like he was, something was wrong. Like either his picture wasn't working out or something happened, and it wasn't what he wanted. And I'm like, buddy, don't, don't worry, man. I'll get you a new piece of paper. And so I was getting ready to get up. And he said, no, daddy, it's okay. I'll just flip it over. And he took that paper. He took it for where it was, and he flipped it over. He flipped it over. As I was thinking about that, I even think about this idea that sometimes where we are in our lives, you may, you may have the mess in front of you. You may have, you may be that person that's dishing out those hurtful words, or you may be that person that has received those words, and you've took the, the, the voice that was a lie, and you made it your own. You made it a truth, that it really wasn't a truth. It was just a lie. You have it in front of you. And I want you to know tonight that God just wants you to flip it over. Amen. God wants you to start over. You have it in your power to start over. God says his grace and his mercy are new every morning, every morning. And we have it in our power. God has given that to us that we can start over, that we can flip it over and start again and and not just stay where we are. We can start over and flip it over. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, it says, get rid of. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. It doesn't say hang on to for a day that you get really upset. When someone cuts you off in traffic. It says get rid of. It says turn up your filter a little bit more to capture those things before they get through. Because you don't want that in your life. Because you don't need it and the people around you don't need it. It says, get rid of. There was an author by the name of Joseph Telushkin, and he wrote this, this book. I haven't read it, but I read this excerpt, and it says, his title of his book is uh, Words That Hurt, Words That Heal. And he would lecture throughout the country on the power of negative words. And he would ask the people in his audience, he says, can you go 24 hours without saying an unkind word? about or to another person. And not many people could raise their hand. So I'm going to ask you right now. Can you, no, I'm just joking. No, I'm, just, I'm just joking. But this is what he said in response to that. He said this. Those who can't answer yes 
must recognize that they have a serious problem. If you can't go 24 hours without drinking liquor, you are addicted to alcohol. If you can't go 24 hours without smoking, you are addicted to nicotine. If you can't go 24 hours without saying an unkind word to or about others, then you have lost control of your tongue. I thought that was pretty profound. Can I go 24 hours without saying a word, to, a negative word to somebody or against somebody? And my challenge for us tonight is that we would flip it. Is that we would flip negative words to positive words. We would take words that harm and flip them to words that would help. We would take words that would break people down and flip them into words that would build people up. We would take hurtful words and flip them into healing kind of words. We would take words that would be painful and we would flip them into words that would bring relief. We would take words that would be discouraging and we would flip them into words that would be encouraging. The choice is ours. We have the choice. Every word that comes out of our mouth is a gift. Whether it's going to be a negative gift or a positive gift, the choice is up to us. We get to decide. We get to decide. But let me just tell you this. You can't do this without God. It's impossible. It's, it's not possible. Because the flesh side of us says, you're crazy. It, it, don't, it don't even understand. It just says, say what you want whenever you want to say it. But we have responsibility to use our words in the wise way. We need God's help. The psalmist in chapter 14, verse 3 says, Set a guard over my mouth. Lord, keep watch over the doors of my lips. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. A guard. Guard. God, would you set a, would you, would you set a guard over my mouth? I wish we could do that where we're in a conversation with somebody and we just had somebody next to us like that was just our guard over our mouth. And when we were getting ready to say something stupid, they just like, like tased us. Like this had a taser. Or like just, just a button to press. Like, oh yeah, good call. My bad, my bad. You know, good call. Set a guard over our mouth. Church, we have that guard. It's the Holy Spirit alive and living on the inside of us that is that guard for us to, to lead us and to direct us. And if we would just listen, if we would just be sensitive to what it is that God wants us to share, we would be able to do that. To set a guard over our mouth, Lord. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, a familiar passage, it says, A good man out of the good treasures of his heart, brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings forth evil. Listen, listen. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what do we have to do? We have to guard our heart. We have to guard our heart. And we can't guard our heart without God helping us to guard our heart. It means we got to control what goes into our mind and to our heart, what we receive as our own and we can tell a lot about somebody, about their heart condition, by what comes out of their mouth. And if you're seeing in your own personal life that your heart condition is not where you want to, or your, your words are not where you want it to be, then you need to look at your heart. And so what you have to do is you got to start putting a little bit more God into your heart. Getting some scriptures like Ephesians 4, 29, and getting it real, getting it, letting, letting it be real in your life. Uh, let, let me read to you it again because it's so powerful. And it says in Ephesians 4, 29, the Amplified, it says, let no foul or polluting language or evil word nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech. Now listen to this. This is what we want. We said what we had, 
We don't want. This is what we want. As is good. Speech that is good and is beneficial to the spiritual progress of others. As is fitting to the need and the occasion. The need and the occasion. Remember, three at minimum, three out of ten people are brokenhearted over something. What if Christians got a hold of this verse and not just heard the verse, but we did something with it and it became part of who we are? And we ask God, God, would you give me what is fitting to the need and the occasion for my family? Would you give me, God, as a husband, what is needed? For my wife, God, would you give me what is helpful, what is good, what is needed for the occasion, for my kids, for the people I work with, for the people I see at Publix that I know, and the people I see that I don't know, the people on my block, and the people in my city. God, would you give me the words that they need, and not just words that my flesh wants to say, but God, would you give me those kind of words, the good and the beneficial to the spiritual progress of others. That's what we need, that it may be a blessing and give grace God's favor to those who hear it. That's our job. That's what we need. That's the example of Christ living through us in our lives. Hurt people, hurt people. But church, listen, healthy people help people. Healthy people help people. Healthy people help people. What is our our win here at Meadowbrook? We want to see people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. And I think we can do that in a better way when we are using our words to spiritually help and spiritually encourage for every need and occasion in in people's lives. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MBC Ocala.